Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland, so that we can help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. You can always join us in person each Sunday at 8.30 a.m. and 11 here on our beautiful campus in Rock Spring, Georgia. Well, wasn't that fantastic? Amen. Worship team, great, great job. So those of you who've been at Peavine for a long time, you won't know this, whether you're at Ross Floor here, you're just not going to find worship that good anywhere else in our area, right? Like that is as good as it gets. Danny, we appreciate you and man, your whole team is fantastic. Ephesians chapter 4, if you have your Bibles. Over the next few weeks, I'm going to preach a family series entitled Family 101. Here's where you need to start because... I preach a lot of family series, and and I'll talk about the individual roles in the family, what a husband ought to do, what a wife ought to do, how the kids, parents, all that. All that's good, all that's needed, I'll do that in the future. But but this time, I wanted to roll back around to the family, and I want to talk about some basic family principles that that you, you, I know if you're trying to be a good husband, but if you're violating these things, if you're trying to be a good wife, but you're violating these things. Here's the truth. You can try to be a good husband all you want to be until you get some of these things down. These are the basics. These are the relationship 101 in our family. That's why I'm calling it family 101. And so we're not necessarily going to look at how to be a better husband, how to be a better wife. We're going to look at, over the next few weeks, how do I just be a good person inside my family? What, what, is it, what, what do I need to do inside my family regardless of who you are? This applies if you're a teenager or a child or if you're a husband or a wife or parent, whatever it may be. This applies to you. This applies to all of us. And and it's inside the family unit that oftentimes we violate a lot of these principles we're going to talk about. And, And look, here's the truth. We know this, and I hate to say it, and I'll say it more. Sometimes we treat the people under our roof worse than we treat other people. Can I get an amen right there? Oh me. Give me an oh me right there, right? Now, you know it's true. You know it's true. You can be in a not down, drag out, yelling, she just slung a pot at your head, you ducked, you threw a baseball at her after that, somebody's about to call the police, and the doorbell will ring, and you'll go to the door, and it'll be the UPS driver, and you'll be like, hey, how are you, man? How's it going? You having a good day? And you just treated a stranger nicer than you treat your spouse or your kids or your parents. It's not supposed to be that way. And so how do we stop that? So over the next few weeks, we're going to look at this family 101. Here are some things we've got to get down, we've got to get right. And so today I want to start with this idea of communication in the home. I want to preach a sermon called uh, Word Exchange and we're going to uh, talk about uh, how we communicate inside the home. So uh, let me g- give you a couple things. And uh, hey, guys, that's the wrong screens on the back, just FYI. I've got a, I got a bad screen up there, just so you know that. And that doesn't mean anything to y'all. I'm just letting them know. So um, uh, let me talk about, in his TED Talk, a guy named John Sutherland, no relation is a London police officer, and he gave a TED Talk, and he talked about this. Now, I, I could study this all day long, just so you know how my brain works. I, could, I, I, sp- I wasted too much time looking this up because he talked about something called low cards exchange principle. 
It's a forensic science principle called Locard's Exchange Principle. It was developed by Dr. Edmund Locard, known as the Sherlock Holmes of France. And the principle has a simple premise. Here it is. Every contact leaves a trace. In other words, every time, every criminal leaves a trace behind him when he creates a crime. Locard's exchange principle is generally understood as the phrase, get this, with contact between two items, there will be an exchange. One forensic expert put it this way. Wherever he steps, whatever he touches, whatever he leaves, even unconsciously will serve as a silent witness against him. Not only his fingerprints or his footprints, but his hair. The fibers from his clothes, the glass he breaks, the paint he scratches, the blood the deposit he deposits or collects. This is evidence that does not forget. Every contact leaves a trace. And I dug into Locard's exchange principle and I realized that that is true in the home and that's especially true with the way we communicate that every time you speak with a family member, there is a word exchange that takes place. And when you exchange those words inside that relationship, when you communicate with those words, that there is a trace left behind. There is evidence left behind of how this family operates and how this family communicates. And it's, it's so magnified in the family dynamic that the words you use and the way you communicate in a family is a value you must get right. For your family to be the type of family you and God want it to be. Now, I'll just be brutally honest today. It's hard to find a family that communicates well. We all struggle at times with communication. And I, I can give you some reasons why that is. For some, good communication is not natural. You're not a natural communicator. And that's true for a lot of men sometimes. A lot of men are just not good communicators. And so, you know, I've told you before, women use about twice as many words as men use during the day. And men, when you come home from work, most of yours are used up for the day. And most women, if she were not to work outside the home, then women uh, haven't used a tenth of theirs. And so it's on like Donkey Kong when you walk in through the door. She's had hers build up. And if you're not a natural communicator... If you're not a natural, if that doesn't come naturally to you, then you're going to struggle in the area of communication. Not only that, there are some that have been hurt somewhere in the past. And so somewhere in your past, you've been hurt in a relationship and you've withdrawn and you've turned inward. And so you tend to shut down communication because communication, open uh, dialogue, listening, intimate communication makes us vulnerable. And if you've been hurt, you tend not to do that. For some people, time is the problem. Like you say, well, preacher, I'd love to communicate. I don't know when we have time. We've got kids, and she's gone to a ball game, and I'm going to a ball game, and at night we're, you know, we're eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and McDonald's drive-thru, and the only, time we, the, only time, the only thing we talk about is who's picking the kids up from school. Like, I get that, but the, what I'm going to talk about today is not necessarily when we communicate, but how we communicate. Some have had bad examples of communication. I mean, look, some of you grew up in homes where communication, uh, it, you know, if you had two parents in the home, was not a, a good thing. Like when your parents talked, you cringed because you, you, you were worried about what might take place. 
And so we've got these bad examples when it comes to communication. And so, I mean, it's just a fact. We tend to uh, uh, imitate what we've been around. And so, so I saw my, you know, if you see your parents communicate poorly, you tend to mimic that form of communication. You bring all that baggage over into your family and just because you've had bad examples. And some have never learned to communicate well. So there's a Bible verse in the Bible I literally, I all, there are some verses in the Bible, I'm trying to stop myself from not preaching on it every year. And this is one of those I may preach on it every year. Because it impacts every relationship that you have in the home and out of the home, but specifically in the home. Now the verse is not in the context of the family, it's going to come a little bit later. But it's interesting that when you look at Ephesians 4.29, we'll stand and read it in just a moment. But when you look at Ephesians 4.29, Ephesians 4.30 says, and, listen, get this, listen, follow me, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. So here's what verse 30 does. Verse 30 has a conjunction that connects it to verse 29, and it puts verse 29 and verse 30 in the same context, and here's what that means. That the way I communicate in the home can be a grievance to the Holy Spirit of God in my life. Because the Holy Spirit of God is not the force in Star Wars. The Holy Spirit of God is a person that resides within every born-again believer. So you have to be careful how you communicate in your home because you say, well, preacher, I mean, this is not a very spiritual. It's the most spiritual topic you can imagine because verse 30 is connected to it in such a way that if I don't do verse 29 correctly, I can grieve, grieve the Spirit of God in my own heart and life. So let's look at it. Stand with me, if you will. Look at Ephesians 4, 29. This would be a good verse for you to memorize. Ephesians 4.29. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Read that again with me. Just follow on. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but that what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Thank you. You may be seated. So let me walk you through the verse. It breaks down naturally into three segments. And let me walk you through that verse and make some observations. This one verse gives great communication advice so we can apply it to the family and, and any relationship at all. Now, get this. Look this way. This is not, verse 29, instant change. Now, when you read uh, 2 Corinthians 5, we're all new creatures. We all are becoming new. And that part of becoming new is the Holy Spirit of God working in my heart in a daily basis in my life. Here's what you got to understand. If you're not good at communication, if communication is poor in your home, you're not probably, now I hope you can, but chances are this is not going to be a microwave change in your life. This is going to be a crock pot slow cooker change in your life, but you have got to make the change because in this verse we are given how we need to communicate in the home. And listen, if you're here and you're going to say at the end of this sermon, I need to make change, you say, preacher, how do I do it? There's two ways, prayer and people. You ask God for help, you ask your family members to help. Because many of your communication habits have been ingrained into your DNA 
from your natural tendencies to your life experiences to your childhood observations and much of what we have learned is wrong. And listen, there'll be some of you here today that you're going to be tempted when I finish preaching to say, well, preacher, this is who I am and I'm not going to change. Hey, look this way. Look, everybody look at me. A Christian can never say, I'm not going to change. The whole point of the Christian life it changes the hallmark of the Christian life. It is the Holy Spirit of God working in you to bring about change. You don't have a choice but to change in your life. So how do we need to change? He says it, begin in verse, he says it all in verse 29. Number one, he said, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Let no. In the Greek, it means stop it from going on, delete it, end it now. Here's what that means. If you are speaking corruptly in your home, stop it. You say, well, what does corruption speaking look like? Here's what it means. It belongs to the category of that word in the Greek, corrupt. Man, I love that word. It belongs to the category of, get this, it was the same word used for rotten fruit, decayed trees, or spoiled fish. You ever smell bad fish? Hey, for that matter, good fish smells bad enough, right? I mean, let alone bad fish. In general, it means a poor quality, bad, unfit for use, or worthless. So here's what we've learned so far. If, if corrupt communication is coming out of your mouth, stop it. What does corrupt mean? It means anything that's worthless or unfit for use, bad, or poor quality. So he said, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Now, I don't have to define much of that, but words, ideas, the act of speaking and the things spoken. And let me give you a definition of mouth because I found this fascinating. You say, preacher, I don't need you to define mouth. No, you don't. But listen to this. Mouth obviously means mouth. But did you know in the Greek, a secondary definition said, shed some light on the word because the secondary definition meant, get this, the edge of a sword. Can I say to you that that is powerful, that your mouth can be a sword. And the Bible says that in other places as well. So he says, don't, don't let any corrupt words come out of your mouth. You say, preacher, is this a sermon about profanity? Well, of course it is. You should not be using profane language at all as a Christian. It should never be named among you. But this goes far, 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 far deeper than that. So let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. But, he said, here's the conjunction that ties it all together. This, that which is good for necessary edification. The word but there is Allah in the Greek. It means a dramatic contrast in thought. There's a couple of words uh, that, can be used, that we translate the conjunction but. But it is a, this one is a specific one that means now we're going to flip the thought we just talked about on its head. We're going to talk about the exact opposite. And here's what it is. Don't let any corrupt words come out of your mouth, but that which is good, agathos, and the word good means it benefits others, it's profitable, it's benevolent, it's good in quality. And then it says words that are good words that are used for edification. The word edification in the Greek is great. It's the same word that means to build a house. And it means to build any. Thing. Uh, it means to figuratively, it's used in the sense of our words that build up, they instruct or they improve people spiritually. So here we've been told, not, don't let any corrupt word come out of your mouth at all. However, let your words be good, help them build them up. Why? And the third thing it says that it may impart grace to the hearers. Grace 
in this context is a quality that adds delight or pleasure or success or attractiveness, joy, charm, sweetness, grace means that they are words that bring pleasure to who? To the hearers. Now, I don't want to drill down too far on that, but look this way with me if you don't mind. When we see that word hearers, we tend to think of the person we're speaking to, and without a doubt, that means it. Can I tell you that in the family dynamic, the way you talk to one another and people you're not talking to or listening impacts them more than you'll ever know. For example, dads, if if you speak poorly to your wife, your children are listening. You say, well, I didn't say it to my kids. No, but it impacts them just the same. Moms, if you're letting your dad have it all the time, you're letting your husband have it all the time, listen, your kids qualify as hearers. And you say, well, preacher, we try to keep all that stuff behind closed doors. Good luck. Because about every time you close your bedroom door, I promise you there are ears listening in. And there's no way you can do it behind closed doors and then not come out in front of open doors eventually. And so Paul said that everything you say ought to bring joy and grace to the hearers. Man, packed in that one verse of some powerful family communication principles. So how should we approach the way we speak to our spouse, our children? Listen. Your boyfriend, your girlfriend, people that we are in a relationship with. The way you speak to one another in your home will greatly determine what kind of family you have. So let me give you three principles. Here they are. Number one is this. Say it to them the way you want them to say it to you. Say it to them the way you want them to say it to you. The word corrupt there, we talked about it, describes that which is rotten, disgusting, perishing, rank, foul, putrid, worthless, spoiled fish, rotten grapes, crumbling stones. It basically meant decay or the process of decay. It was the Greek word sapros, which meant it was unusable, unfit, bad, get this, harmful, corrupt or corrupting or defiling. Now when it comes to communication, there are a lot of things that fit into that category. Listen, profanity fits into that category. Never, ever should a child of God use such language. I shouldn't have to say that in a Christian church, but it is true. My, 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 uh, my wife and my daughter, they're gone today. They're down visiting her uh, sister who has cancer and being in church with them this morning. My, my daughter will tell you she doesn't hear profanity in our house. We talked about the S word growing up, which was shut up. I know where some of your minds went. (laughs) I was forced growing up to talk. I mean, I was forced when my kids were growing up to talk like a girl. We had to say things like behind instead of that conjunction we might use otherwise. Because we just didn't want any corrupt communication in our home. Now, I'm not saying you have to go to that extreme, but look, I'm going to err on the side of caution, but there's more than profanity fits in that category. Gossip fits in that category. Insults fit in that category. Harmful words 
listen, belittling statements, verbally abusive statements, passive-aggressive comments. That list gets longer, but you get the idea. Sometimes corrupt communication is those type things, and it comes so easily in our home. And listen, it's not just how it's what's said, it's how it's said oftentimes as well. Because it's said through clenched teeth, fighting, yelling, tone. And here's the deal. No matter how you justify talking to others that way, the undisputable fact is you don't want anyone talking to you that way. You don't want to be gossiped about. You don't want to be insulted by your family. You don't want to be belittled in front of others. You don't want to be harmed by words. So here's the golden rule of communication. You talk to others the way you want to be uh, spoken to. The surefire way to keep rotten, unfit, bad, stinking words from coming out of your mouth is to remember, do you want them coming back at you that way? Hey, the Braves are doing good. Give, give me an amen right there. Like, that's not spiritual, but let's just celebrate for a second. You know, Braves are doing good. So I love baseball articles. I love baseball statistics. I read an article this week. It came across, and it was entitled, Just So I Don't Die. MLB superstars crave more protection. So the article talked about how major league pitchers are throwing harder and faster than ever before. Some pitchers are now around 100 miles an hour consistently, which is so far ahead of where it used to be. But now the pitchers are getting worried. It used to be the hitters were the ones worried about getting hit, and the hitters are wearing a lot of them special helmets now. But here's the deal. No major league player has been killed by baseball since 1920 when Cleveland Indian shortstop Ray Chapman died after being hit on the head by a pitch from Carl Mays of the New York Yankees. But every year, batters and pitchers are hit on the head, and the doctors tell them things like this. Well, you're lucky. If it hit just an inch another direction, you might not be here. Now, you say, well, they're wearing helmets. You know, helmets, some of you may not know this, have only been mandatory since 1971. And then you were grandfathered in. If you didn't want to wear one, you didn't have to. So the hitters have always been scared, but get this, through May 1st this year, this week, they're now measuring something in baseball called exit velocity off the bat. Now don't let me lose you here, just hang with me. 40 balls so far this year have been hit with an exit velocity of at least 115 miles an hour. Which means a pitcher may be throwing it at 99 but it's coming back at him at 115 miles an hour. The mound is 60 feet, 6 inches from the plate. Once the, batter, once the pitcher releases the ball, he's about, in general, 54 to 55 feet away from home plate. And in a split second, a ball traveling at 115 miles an hour could be coming back at his head. Do you know if you pitch a ball from the mound to home plate, it arrives in home plate in .75 seconds. And if it's come back at 115 miles an hour, it's come back faster. So here's what's happening this year. Pitchers are worried that now the ball's coming back at them so quickly that they might get hurt. And I read that article this week when I was studying about communication. And I thought, 
Some of us need to have that realization when it comes to how we talk to one another. Because here's what we tend to do in the family unit. We tend to throw 100-mile-an-hour fastballs at our family. We get all riled up and we're throwing a 100-mile-an-hour fastball at our husband's head, at our kid's head, at our mom's head, at our wife's head. And here's what Paul said. Don't listen. Listen. Look, here's what I'm saying. If the person you're talking to gives it back to you, you get offended. And here's what Paul said. Don't let any of that hard stuff come out of your mouth. It's like a 100-mile-an-hour fastball going at your family, and it tends to get hit right back at you often harder. So let me ask you, what's coming out of your mouth? You say, but preacher, you don't know my kids. I get it. Preacher, my husband, you don't know. My wife, you don't know. They get me so riled up. I get it. I get it. But you are in control of the words that come out of your mouth. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Don't let that junk come out of your mouth. Don't ever hurt your family with your words or your tone or your temper. Don't wound and leave scars in their life that they will not be able to get over. Man, we worry about our kids so much and falling and getting hurt. And rightfully, if you got boys especially, rightfully you should, right? I mean, emergency room, put it on speed dial. It's going to happen. But listen, the scars they carry with them. Listen, if your boy falls playing, you know, riding a bicycle, skateboarding, or doing something stupid, do you know when he's 40, he's going to stand up in church sometime and brag about that? Did you know that? The bigger the star, the better the story. But you leave scars with your words. That can hurt till the day you die. And so don't leave wounds and don't leave scars. Don't abuse with your words. You say, well, preacher, how do I know if I'm doing that? I'm going to give you a great scientific way to know if you're doing it or not. Here it is. Ask them. Just ask them. Look at your kids and say, hey, have I, am I wounding you with my words? Look at your Wife and say, hey, am I wounding you with my words? Look at your husband and say, hey, am I wounding you with your words? Look at your parents and say, hey, am I wounding you with my words? Because I'm telling you that corrupt communication comes out of your mouth. Here's a golden rule. You just say it to them the way you want them to say it to you. You know exactly how you want to be talked to, so you just make sure you're talking to them that way. And let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth. Number two, got to hurry, let me tell you this. Number two, Paul tells us this, words are like bricks, they Build or break. Words are like bricks. They build or break. Paul told us in that second phrase that our words should be used for edification. Good words used for building. You you know, that's the thing about words. They can either tear down or build up. You know the saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. That's hogwash. You know who said, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt me? You know who said that? Nobody. Some idiot wrote it down somewhere a long time ago. (laughs) Nobody's ever said that. In the family unit, you can really tear down people with your words. We learned that in verse number one. And God said, in, in, in phrase number two, don't do that. It, if that should be a principle anywhere, it ought to be a principle in the family that your words are like bricks and you can build with them or you can break with them. Listen, bricks can do a lot of damage if used in the wrong way, but they can also be part of a sturdy home. 
And the principle of communication is use your words to build up the people who are around you. Use your words to build up your family. Words that make them better. Words that help. Words that encourage. Words that instruct. Words that can improve. Listen, there is a direct correlation between the way you communicate in the home and the success of that home. So use good words to bring about the success of the home around you. You can do good or bad. Paul said do good. Cell phones amaze me nowadays. You, uh, uh, we probably all got one here with us and we're pushing out notifications on apps. Anybody remember your first cell phone? Remember your first cell phone? How many of you had one that was about the size of of an Encyclopedia Britannica when you first got it. Remember that? It was about this big, you called them car phones. It took me forever to quit saying car phone because you plugged in your car and you are really cool if you had that big leather bag you carried around in your car. We got our first one in 1994. It was a Nokia and Sherry was pregnant with, uh, expecting with Michaela. Sorry, I shouldn't say that word in church. Expecting with Michaela. And uh, uh, we got a little Nokia phone. is about that big. It was the coolest thing ever. And we had 100 minutes a month. You, anybody remember 100 minutes a month playing? I splurged for 100 minutes a month. We, uh, didn't, you say, how many texts you have? We didn't text. Nobody had texts. Nobody had thought about a text back then. We didn't do email. We said, what'd you do with the phone? We made phone calls with the phone. That's all we did. It was no touch screen. It was a bunch of buttons and a little bit black and white screen. You remember, you, you only got 100 minutes, and so I'd call Sherry, and we'd be done in 28 seconds. And I'd be like, hey, and, and they didn't count 28 seconds. They rounded up to the next minute. So if you talked for 28 seconds, you were wasting 32 seconds on your phone. And if you talked for a a minute and one second, you wasted 59 minutes on your phone. So you'd sit there and talk to them like this. Hey, baby, we got 30, 29, 28 more seconds. Anything else you want to tell me? No, but I don't want to waste this 28 seconds. So what do you got to tell me? And she'd be like, oh, let me tell you, a funny thing happened today. I got to go. We're up. Bye. (laughs) You remember those days, don't you? There's no cell phone addiction. You had to get off in a hurry. But now there's such a thing as cell phone addiction. They say the average person checks it 110 times per day. This that I don't I can't figure out. 12% of adults use the phone in the shower. Adults Shower. I just got, I got questions. Like, how are you not messing your phone up, number one? They've only been waterproof for a little bit, and I guess you can buy a case and put it in there. So let's say you have a case. What are you doing with it in the shower? Are you, are you like Velcroing soap on it and washing your head with it or under here? What are you doing with the cell phone in the shower? 50% of a teenagers will admit they are addicted to their phone. And 26% of car accidents in the United States are because of cell phones. You know, the law changes in Georgia July 1st. It, first, is illegal to have a phone in your hand in the state of Georgia? July 1st. In Gwinnett, that's been true for a little while, and police have given people tickets who were at a red light holding their phone in their hand. You can't pick it up at a red light, just so you know. So we went from a device that... I, I got one when Sherry was 
expecting with Michaela in case she had an emergency and we, uh, I needed to be called until now we've morphed into the place where we can't take a shower without a cell phone. The cell phone is a great thing if you use it the right way. Words are powerful if you use them the right way. And you can, just like a cell phone, you can use it for good or bad. You can take your words, you can use it for good or bad. And Paul said, let's use it for good. And here's what you do. Build up your family. Encourage them with your words. Communicate well. Listen, let your words make your family better. Build them up. Talk to your kids. Tell them words of wisdom. Encourage them. Talk to your spouse. Tell them how much you love them. Compliment them. Man, I, so much I can say there. I'll save it to another sermon. Number three, the third thing we learn is that happy words equals happy family. That final phrase in verse 29, it says it, that it may impart grace to the hearers. How do we communicate in the home? Paul said that our words are to bring grace to the hearers, literally joy to the one listening. And here we learn a great secret to a great family. The key to a happy family is the way you communicate with one another. Will you just close your Bibles and listen to me for the next couple of minutes? I, I literally will be through in two or three minutes. Just, but I want you to just hear me over the next few. I'll, make, I'll close my Bible. That gives you more confidence. I'll be done. All right? I, I, I'll close mine. Listen, look this way. Just give me, give me two or three minutes of eye contact here. Paul said to communicate in such a way that you bring happiness, joy, and grace to those who are listening. Get this. If you want to know if something should be said, then ask yourself if it will cause joy to break out after you say it. If after you say it, will there be a smile on their face? If the answer is yes, then you go ahead and say it. I know some of you are thinking, well, preacher, that means I can't have a hard conversation when I need to. No, 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 that's not what it means. Did you know in my experience, it's never the hard conversations that are the problems. Those are handled very well. It's the day-to-day, moment-by-moment conversations that typically disrupt the home. It's the thing said when you aren't paying attention that can bring joy or pain. Heard about one guy, he was a catering manager. And... Uh, this young couple had a new baby, and they were throwing a uh, baby dedication party for their new baby. So they're meeting with this caterer, and, and, and the caterer, were, he was trying to be nice, and he was trying to get the business, and he, he looked at the mother, and he said, well, mom, it sure looks like you've lost most of your pregnancy weight. She said, thanks. We adopted See, that doesn't bring smile to people's faces when you talk like that. And it's, listen, I say that in jest, but it's those kind of conversations that, that people remember. You want a happy family? Use your words to bring happiness and joy. Listen, uh, it, some of you want parenting advice. If I could give you parenting advice, and I'm going to talk about this later on in the sermon series. If you want to be if you have kids, I can't emphasize this enough. 
Let your home be known as the happy home. If you're the happy home, kids will want to flock to your house to be around you. Don't sweat the small stuff. You say, preacher, they're going to break stuff. They are, and I'm the kind of guy that stresses me out, right? I'm, I'm the kind of guy that I'll mark around, hey, don't, don't touch that. Don't break that. that. Don't break that. Here's what my wife finally convinced me one day. Hey, Joel, we can buy new stuff. We get our kids one time. Now, I'm not saying I want you to come to my house and break anything. Don't translate that into that. <laughs> but let your home be the happy home. Use the word, your words to bring joy to your kids and even joy to their friends. I never forget one time my, Michaela was in a middle school, early high school, and she had had some friends spend the night with her. And uh, uh, I came home. All the friends were piled up on my bed talking to my wife. And Michaela met me in the kitchen, and I'm like, hey, where are your friends? She said, they're in there talking to mom. I can't get them away from mom. They want to stay here and just talk to her. I think they come just talk to her. Why? Because we tried to use words of joy at our house. You want to bring some joy and spice back to your marriage? Let me tell you how. You don't need those Jerry Springer DVDs. That is not what you need. <laughs> you need to use your words. Bring grace, joy, and happiness to your spouse. So how do you talk to one another? How is the communication, Josh, you come get a song together. How is the communication in your home? Now, look, this is a little bit of a soul-searching moment, right? Like, I know these sermons I preach. Here's what the invitation sounds like. If you're yelling at your spouse, come on down. That's, that's not what I'm saying. That is not the sermon. The invitation is this. There ought to be a certain type of communication going on in your home. And here's a question I'm asking you. Is that happening? Some of you say, preacher, everything's great until I lose my temper. Then you need to come and pray, God, help me to hold it together even when I lose my temper. Some of you students probably need to come to the altar and say, God, I'm not talking to my parents the way I know I mean, all that stuff in that, I'm, I'm breaking it, I'm breaking it. Some of your parents probably need to come to the altar and say, God, my kids are, I mean, I'm losing it with them, God, and I need you to help me guard the words of my home. Some of your dads, some of your moms need, uh, 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 some of your husbands and wives need to come and say, look, I'm not talking to my spouse. You're always putting your spouse down. You think that's funny? It's not. It's not. Either way, it's not. You say it to others the way you want it said to you. Listen, your words are like bricks. You're, you're going you're gonna to tear something down or you're going to build them up. And your words ought to bring joy inside the home. Just stand with me, your heads bowed and your eyes closed. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week, helping you to apply God's word to your daily life. For more information about Peavine, be sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and at our website, www.peavine.org. Thanks for listening.